Welcome back to What's the Point of the Midrash, the weekly podcast where we take a look at a rabbinic text and offer suggestions to answer the question, what's the point of the Midrash? My name is Rabbi Josh Uter, and this week for Parshat Emor, we'll be looking at Vayikra Rabbah 27.8. And here we're going to be discussing a Midrash, an interpretation by Rabbi Levi, whose interpretation here is going to seem, I think, a little bit off to some people. You'll see what I mean in a moment. Off of the verse from Hosea 7.3, Bera'atam yismechu melech, they make the king glad with their wickedness. Rechi mara'a la'asot shor, rosh l'cholo korbanot. For what reason did God see for placing the bull first among all of the animal offerings? Amar Rabbi Levi, mashal matrona sheyatsa ala shem ra, it's like the case of a woman who is given a bad name, had a bad reputation in connection with one of the high officers of the state. And the king investigated these rumors and found there was no substance to them. Ma'asa, what did the Hamelach, what did the king do? Asa se'uda v'hoshiv oto ha'ish berosh shel misubin. He took, he held a banquet, and he took this person who was accused by the rumor of having uh, an illicit affair with uh, this woman, and he made this person the head of all of the guests who attended this great feast. Kolkach Lama, why did he do all of this? Because he wanted to make it known that the king had investigated all rumors and found no substance to them. This alone, I think, is an interesting analogy because in a day where we're very much, I guess, ruled by rumors and innuendo, if you want to show that you know you actually did the research into something and found that someone was innocent or exonerated it's important to make a very public declaration of it because otherwise the rumors keep persisting and can continue to ruin people's lives Many years ago, I helped co-author a statement of ethical principles for a rabbinic organization, and it was very important that not only did we have clauses in there to censure rabbis who acted inappropriately, we also put in a clause that if it turned out that a rabbi's reputation was ruined through a false accusation, that we would also take active steps in order to help repair that reputation, assuming that's actually how things would go down in that eventuality. So what do we have to do with this particular mashal? Rabbi Levi continues, Kach umota olam monin lahem li Israel. So too the uh, nations of the world either count, but idiomatically here means you taunted or you're bringing accusations against Israel. Vomarim lahem, and he say to them, Asitemete egel, you made the golden calf. And here's where it gets interesting. And God investigated these things, and he didn't find any substance to them. Therefore, he made the bull the head of all of the offerings. Because it's written, either a bull or a sheep or a goat in the list of sacrifices to be offered. 
Now, this, I, on first glance, to me is incredibly uh, confusing because what does this mean, that you didn't find any substance to it? After all, the Jewish people actually did that, right? They did the sin of the golden calf. Lots of people were punished for it. Lots of people died for it. Wasn't one of our finest moments in Jewish history. So for Rabbi Levy to give this analogy to a king who investigates the rumors of uh, sexual impropriety and says, Lo mamash, usually you know, we take that to mean, well, there's no substance to the accusation. Whereas here, the nations of the world say, ah, you Jewish people, you did the golden calf. So what do you mean there was no substance to the accusation? The whole point of a substance to an accusation is, did something go down in terms of what you're being accused of? So you're giving an analogy in one place where, eh, King finds and, you know, didn't, didn't really find anything of substance. And here, well, Jewish people clearly did something, but God seems to say, eh, that's not a substantive accusation. Now, if we're doing this two ways, uh, meaning for both the mashal and the nimshal, uh, both the analogy and the referent that it's uh, the message that it's trying to convey. Uh, unfortunately, today, you'll find many organizations will run internal investigations of wrongdoing and magically not come up with anything. This doesn't necessarily have to be in the areas of uh, sexual abuse, though it happens a lot there. It could be pretty much anything. You know, find uh, do an internal audit. Uh, we found no wrongdoing. The NFL just uh, I saw a story had a, something about this when uh, Hugh Jackson, the coach of the Cleveland Browns, made an accusation that he was paid to lose and there was a tanking thing going on and the league's internal investigation didn't find anything. So sometimes when you say, you didn't find any substance in there, well, that could also just be a cover-up. Is that what's going on here? Unclear exactly. The way that I can understand this, uh, and I admit this is a guess, is that when the nations of the world are saying, well, ha, you Jewish people, you made the golden calf, perhaps it's making an accusation, well, the Jewish people are no less idolaters than anyone else, and therefore aren't worthy of special treatment, aren't really the chosen people, and Jewish people mess up as much as every other nation of the world. So what would be the difference in saying, well, the Jew, you know, the Jewish people aren't idolaters, or Jewish people will judge idolaters uh, harshly, because idolatry is a pretty big deal in the Bible. So he said, well, you guys do that too. Uh, for those familiar with logical fallacies, this would be the two quoque logical fallacy of like, well, you guys do this as well. And it could be, might not refer to, well, the Jewish people, you know, actually didn't do idolatry because in this case they did, but perhaps it's more on, you know, the deeper thing of, well, there's a difference between having a sin um, and messing up versus making it part of your character, saying, well, this is who the Jewish people are existentially as ultimately idolaters just as everyone else. And maybe the distinction here is between did you make a mistake? Did you commit a sin? Versus are you wholly irredeemable? And that's a very tough question to ask. It's something that a lot of Jewish communities struggle with today, where every Jewish community is going to have its own standards, where if someone violates a particular transgression, be it either religious or social, there are going to be social consequences of exclusion. Um, and there are going to be other transgressions where 
synagogues might say, you know what, well, either, you know, it's not going to say it's so bad, but we're not going to kick you out over it. And different communities are going to have different standards for this. And there's a lot more to discuss on there can be a really huge tension. But it could very well be that the accusation that the nations of the world are making here is, well, this is going to be a permanent defining stain for the Jewish people. And God saying, you know what? No, it isn't. And not only isn't, but I'm going to make the shore, the bull, the uh, head, or at least the first among all of the sacrifices to show just what a non-issue it is. That's how I understand it. There's another, I guess, possibility uh, that the Midrash continues with Rabbi Huna and Rabbi uh, Aivu, uh, B'Shem Shmuel Bar Nachman, uh, who say, Matzilin hayu Yisrael meotom that the Jewish people were saved from the sin of the golden calf. She'ilu asu Yisrael Egel, because had the Jewish people made the golden calf, hayalehem lomar, Ela Eloheinu. They would have said, this is our God. So going back to uh, Exodus 32.4, uh, what the verse actually says is, Ela Elohecha Yisrael. This is your God, meaning it's picking up on the grammar, where instead of saying, Ela Eloheinu Yisrael, this is, you know, our God, Israel, but rather, Ela Elohecha Yisrael, this is your God. And according to this midrash, it says, that rather it was the proselytes or the converts that came up with them out of Egypt that made the golden calf and then taunted Israel, that this is your God, Israel. This is a bit of a retcon in the sense that the statement, Yisrael, this is your God, Israel, was said by Aaron, uh, not by the Jewish people uh, on the whole. Uh, in Exodus 32.4, it's clearly what Aaron, our own, uh, said when uh, it came out in the shape of a calf. Uh, so the solution that it's trying to come up with here is on one hand, well, maybe the reason why uh, the Jewish people were able to survive it as a whole was because they weren't the ones who were really responsible for it. Uh, and, you know, dovetailing off of Rebbe Levy's statement that this is the Enbo Mamash, that this was, eh, there's no real substance to it because it wasn't the Jewish people who did it, but rather it was the Gerim, these converts that came up, which also leads to a whole other sort of questions of how these Gerim that came up, were they really part of the Jewish people or not? It's incredibly difficult for a whole bunch of reasons. Again, going back to Rebbe Levy, my best guess is trying to make a distinction between a singular sin versus a character-defining sin. Um, and it's not that the Jewish people you know, didn't have problems with idolatry later on. I uh, can read a lot of the books of the prophets, uh, particularly Judges, Kings, doesn't really go well. Um, but it's saying at least that this act of the golden calf wasn't a defining characteristic of the Jewish people. That's the best I got. These aren't always easy, but what do you think is the point of this midrash? If you have any thoughts or comments, I'd love to hear them. Please feel free to reach out. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is at jayuder, also on Facebook, or drop me an email via my website, www.joshuter.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great week and a wonderful Shabbat.